Today's episode is brought to you by Dr. Dish, trusted and innovation solution basketball training machines. Check out their revolutionary skill building program at drdishbasketball.com. Welcome to Fadeaways and Fundamentals. I am your host, Andre Pirano. Today's guest, Coach Anthony, joins the show. We talk hoops, life. Let's dive right in with Coach Anthony. So welcome to Fadeaways and Fundamentals. I am your host, Andre Pirano, here with my man, Coach Anthony. Coach, what's up? What's going on, Andre? How you doing, mate? I'm doing well. Uh, for our listeners out there, um, can you give us a little insight of you in the game of basketball that we all love? Uh, where you grew up, where'd you play in college? high school uh pros can you can you elaborate on that please absolutely um look I'm, I'm i'm turning 40 this year so so i'll go back to where the roots started um i'm an australian i was born and raised in in sydney australia to to croatian immigrant parents so my parents immigrated from croatia in 1970 got two older brothers i was born in born in 80 in sydney and uh, i ended up getting into basketball probably around 13 14 years of age a little later um, through my Croatian roots and, and watching the 92 Olympics and seeing seeing that unbelievable generation of Croats with Drazen Petrovic and Tony Kukoc and Dino Raja compete and, and kind, yes. of got, kind of got pushed towards basketball w- with that and, and a little bit of height as well. You know, I started growing and, and deviating away from rugby and, and putting a little bit of focus into playing hoops. Um, I ended up coming to the United States in 98 uh, through a man named Ed Smith. Now, Ed Smith, um, he coordinated a lot of young Australians, an American. He was an American that, that had moved to Sydney and he, uh, and he started a little training program. So that was my first uh, introduction to, to private coaching, if you want to say it, small group and private coaching. And, um, and we used to train with Ed at Sydney University at 6 a.m. He kind of handpicked a, 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 a few athletes there. And, uh, and then in 98, when I had uh, just turned 18, uh, I had come over to the United States with two other Australians and we attended high school in Washington, DC. We played in the, in the powerful Catholic Catholic league out there in the WCAC for a school called St. John's college high school. So it was myself, a guy called Clint Reed and another guy who was a, who's a junior. Clint and I came over as seniors, Luke Martin and the three of us had, had played over there and, and with the, with the kind of idea to get a scholarship. It was something that, I never knew about growing up in Australia. Uh, we don't have any academic institutions that give you a grant or a scholarship to be able to get a free education through sport, through your passion. And uh, and I had a single mother, uh, you know, had a, had, had, a, had a good upbringing, a great upbringing, but father passed away when I was young. And and it was just when we heard that there was the option to possibly, not, not, not guaranteed, but possibly um, get your education paid for and get a diploma and come to the United States, it was, uh, it was too good to be true. So we, we took that path and spent a year in Washington, D.C., and, and subsequently went through the exciting recruitment process, um, you know, 
kind of like hoop dreams, you know, watching hoop dreams. It was amazing right. getting letters and, and having a shoebox and collecting letters. And, and ultimately with my teammate, Clint Reed decided to, uh, to attend coastal Carolina university, which at the time was in the big South. Uh, I'd spent five years there, you know, had a red shirt year injury, uh, five years at coastal Carolina uh, and that's where I met a uh, man, you know, that's where, that's where Gannon Baker had actually recruited me. He was one of, uh, one of Pete Strickland's assistant coaches at the time. And Gannon Baker had recruited me to come down to, uh, to coastal Carolina. And I, I was in the same class as Mihai Raducanu. Yeah, Mihai. Mihai's my man. We were on the phone last night for about two hours. I had a good, strong catch up. Um, you know, I love the guy to death and, and me and him came together in the, in that class of, uh, class of 98, um, and attended Coastal Carolina, actually class of 99, sorry, um, coming in, attended Coastal Carolina and graduated out of there in 04. And then from Coastal, uh, I had gone back home to Australia and had, had entertained the prospect of, uh, of playing professionally. You know, I was kind of burnt out after college. I, it wasn't something that was at the forefront of my mind, but I took a six-week trip to, uh, to Croatia prior to coming back home and, and I'd met a few few people over there and specifically um the late great Drazen Petrovic's mother and and had a conversation with her and it really really kind of re-inspired me to to chase your passion um basketball's a funny thing any 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 passion is you know you it's your passion and if you really really put all your effort and time into it um you, it'll it'll break you down at times and 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 there's been so many times where you know that I've gone is this worth it can I do it should I do it and and the orange ball it doesn't take long for your hands and your heart to get back on it. And, and meeting her was, was a huge inspiration and went back home, played in the second league there, um, performed really well and got an invite uh, to the Sydney Kings, which is a, which is a professional team in the Australian NBL and, uh, and had impressed enough, I guess, to, for, for them to contract me um, as a development player. And that started my, my professional career. And from there, I, I spent two years with the Sydney Kings uh, a year with the Ballarat Miners, a year over in Iceland, uh, nine months over in Iceland, and then came back and finished off playing for the Townsville Crocodiles in the Australian uh, First League, and and then kind of walked away from from playing the game at, at 29 at, uh, in 2009, and and moved as a permanent resident with my my wife, who was a who was a great volleyball player at Coastal Carolina, who who we were dating at the time and living with me in Australia, and came back to to the United States in 2010. And kind of the, the, the off-court, not the off-court, but I guess the non-combative, the, 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 the playing career kind of went into, into a little bit of coaching, which, which went into development. And I was coaching at Santa Margarita, uh, Rancho Santa Margarita, Santa Margarita High School. Um, I coached there, Jerry DeBusk, a great coach, someone I really, really respect, gave me my first coaching opportunity. Right. And, uh, and through that, you know, it's a nice area. It's a, it's a wealthy area. And, uh, and it's a great league, you know, the private league, the Trinity League out here. But I started seeing that, that a lot of parents and a lot of players had started, uh, I guess it was a forte, you know, coming, coming from playing, saying, hey, coach, can we work on this after practice? Hey, coach, can we work on this? No problem. And then that kind of funneled into, hey, coach, is there any chance you can, you can come on Saturday and, and work with Josh or work with Mike? Or, and that snowballed a little bit. Um, you know, it's hard to get ahead as an assistant coach. Uh, especially when you're you're at 29 and 30 years of age and you're starting a life, 
and you got a small stipend of maybe five or six thousand dollars and and it was too attractive an offer not to uh not not to start building a a little bit of a client base and and really kind of what i know pushing it onto players and giving them tips and and still being active enough still to this day to be able to go out there and show examples and and teach the game and you know what what your philosophy believes is the correct way you know so that's it wow um I would love to, and probably my listeners would love to know, what did Rajan Petrovich's mother tell you to get back on the horse? It was a crazy thing, man. It was uh, we were in we were in Zagreb, the capital city there, and and he was an idol of mine. Yeah, a massive, huge, huge, and and just a massive ambassador for the Croatian community. I'm Australian, but I, br- I grew up just a, just as a lot of immigrants do, even in America, in their in in the household. Uh, from their from their heritage and their culture, so spoke Croatian, went to Croatian Catholic church, did did, did all the all, all that, and uh, and one of my dreams was just to just to go visit his cemetery and just you know pay my respects. And I remember my my, my mother was with me, and I said, "Hey, mom, let's go up to Mirogoy. That's the name of the cemetery." And she goes, "It's raining." I go, "Well, buy an umbrella. I just got to see Drazen, you know, Drazen before we before we leave the city." So That's went up. Awesome. So get get this, Dre. We went up there and it was raining. Okay, it's coming down hard, and and we're walking around with an umbrella, and we finally find his gravesite, and it's a beautiful big marble gravesite, little shrine to commemorate Draz, and and um and his mother is there alone. Okay, oh. and she's dressed in black, and this is you're talking about 2004. This is 12 years after he passed, and she's on her hands and knees polishing the marble, and I took a little step away and 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 said a little prayer, and and she's introduced herself and grabbed me by the hand and took me on the marble. I didn't want to step on the marble out of respect, you know, just, you know, no, no, it's okay. And she took me up there and we took a photo and then she grabbed both my hands, looked at me in my eyes and said, I was here yesterday. It's raining today. And this is all in Croatian and, and I shouldn't be here, but something obviously brought me here. And I'm sure Drajan wanted me to meet you. And I I had tears in my eyes. Wow. You're kidding me. And, um, and then got back home and, and really got back to work, you know, really, really put all my, all my passion and, and, and my effort and, and my resources into, in, into pursuing a professional career, you know, and I knew I had the opportunity. I was kind of on that cusp, you know, I wasn't a superstar, but I knew I could, I could contribute and, um, and, and set course to really, really find, Hey, how, how can I, how can I, carve out a niche that that turns me into a into a pro and and kind of went down that path man that's amazing that right there i can end a podcast on that note that is phenomenal that's a phenomenal story bro thanks man i appreciate it there was it was but i'm not gonna end go ahead sorry it was just phenomenal for me it was it was um it was almost like it was putting my time at the in my life at the right time you know for to, to meet Biserka, that was her name, Biserka Petrovic, and to meet Biserka and for her to open up her arms and her heart to me and 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 express those words, she didn't need to do any of that. Um, it just totally changed my life. You know, it was just one moment that really, really set set that that path on course. Yeah, no, I I uh, I one hundred percent agree with that. Um, I'm huge in faith. I'm a Catholic as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I believe my success comes from people that are in my circle that are very faith driven as well. Gannon's very faith driven. You're very faith driven. 
Jordan is very faith driven. Um, as I have, I've been very blessed. I have two kids that are part of my program and their fathers are pastors. Okay. And so, uh, we read and listen to the Bible and, and they're, they're different. You know, they have, I mean, we're still faith driven in, in believing in, uh, Christianity, but we just, I'm Catholic and they're Christian, but I believe that with my strong faith and energy, it's, it's, this is happening for a reason. You know, I, it, it all fell in my lap with just me coaching my son at the Y, you know, I was a has-been, I was a guy that, uh, grew up loving and playing the game. Um, my dad, uh, tried out for the Clippers back in the seventies. He didn't make it. He was a phenomenal player. Uh, and I was just coaching my son. You know, I was, an, was a guy that went to high school, played high school, played a little college ball. I had two back surgeries by the age of 21. So I was just a has-been. I just was helping my son out. And it fell into my lap to where it went from one team to seven in, in a podcast. And I and I believe that it's not only faith that brought me here, but the people that are faith-driven around That's me. That's awesome. That's awesome. I love hearing. Yeah. That's amazing. Like, with faith, how do you get that energy? And like you said, at, at times you felt like you wanted to quit. So was there any other moments besides meeting her that helped you get out of that rut? And if there was, was it a coach? Was it a, was it a classmate? Was it a teammate? Like what, what advice did they give you to try to, you know, cause it's basketball is a, a roller coaster. I think, There's a lot of ups and downs. You know what? I, I think, I think pursuing anything that's, Look, look, professional basketball, I mean, I always see people say they want to be pros, you know, and and I respect it. I respect the dream. I really, really do. But I don't think everyone knows what that entails. Kind of similar to the, hey, I want to play D1 hoops. I, it's, it's, it's not that cut and dry. It's not that easy, you know. There's a lot that goes into it. It's, it's, a, ruthless, uh, it's a ruthless environment. And, um, and you know, you, you, you got to go, you got to take care of your body. First of all, you got to get your mind right. You got to be able to consistently uh, adapt and, and, and change and, and find what makes you an asset. Okay. And, uh, and, and, and being put in an environment, what can you do to make a group better? You know, and, uh, and, a, and a big part for me was just constantly reinventing myself. Okay. Um, being, being honest with myself realizing what deficiencies I had and, and tackling those, you know, I, I came out of college was difficult. College was a difficult period for me, especially coming out, uh, you know, in the, uh, in those two thousands, early two thousands, the game was starting to take a small shift towards a perimeter. It wasn't there yet, but, uh, but bigs at, at the level that I played at, we were bangers, you know, it was three round two in, uh, cross screen, wheel and seal. It was it was a, it was dirty work, you know. And I respected it, but, right. but all of a sudden, when the when the professional environment started calling, you couldn't be a six eight big and rely on that same skill set that you had in college in order to be able to make money playing the game. So you had to adapt now. And I'll never forget one of the first trial games I played against the Filipino team called Talk and Text. Uh, the Sydney Kings had played them. They came out for an exhibition. And I was nervous. We had a great coach, Brian Gorgian, the most winningest coach in professional sports history in Australia. And and I, I probably got in the game late in the first quarter and came out and got the ball in a reversal. I think I got a couple of rebounds. I was playing tough, got the ball in a ball reversal. Now we've got a 24-second shot clock. 
and I went to reverse it. Okay. And the guy was sagging in the paint. The big man was sagging. I caught it on the top of the key, went to reverse it and go set an on ball. Now there's 10 seconds left. Okay. And there's not really much time for action. Okay. I get pulled out and I sat down high fives and the coach came up to me and just looked me straight in the eye, grabbed me by the shoulder and said, Hey son, if you can't make that three from the top of the key, I can't pay you. And, and that was another moment. That was a huge moment for me. I was like, Oh, I mean, for my whole life, I was told to just move and screen, you know, move and screen and dive. If you get it, dunk the ball. If not, operate one-on-one, you know, and, and try to see if you can get to your, to your right-hand hook. And so I worked, I worked on my game heavily, okay, shooting the ball on trails, shooting the ball with outside foot in, if, uh, shooting the ball off a left pivot, right pivot, um, you know, situations that I would encounter in games. I wouldn't put the ball between my legs three times and shoot it because if I put it between my t- legs two times, I'm getting yanked. Um, and that, that really, really helped me. I started to learn, not to learn, I knew how to shoot the ball, but I got the confidence to be able to take shots, you know, and, and realize that, Hey, the difference between a good one, a bad one. Okay. And if I miss that one, okay. On a, on a second reversal and the guy's sagging, it's, it's not a big deal. Okay. Just make sure that you're prepared to, to take and make the next one. And that, that was the evolution of my game and it, and it started turning into an asset um and now now you're now you're in that field where like hold on you've got a big guy who who runs the floor rebounds okay and now he can stretch a little bit and uh and that was a big big learning card for me um i'd say i'd say i learned more in about six months of playing in the australian professional league and this is no disrespect to the college system okay it's just right. a different environment uh than i did in my five years uh at, at, at a division one university you know it was uh it was so much more specific, you know, it was a game of inches. Um, you know, if you didn't break through and get to the T or the dunker spot and you were, you were three inches lagging or four inches lagging, that was the difference between getting the ball and, and finishing with a hook or a dunk or that ball being deflected and the other team going the other way. And these were the specifics that, that, that were requirements to learn um, and, and to train yourself to do. And, and now when we go back to, back to like how to become successful in basketball i think a lot of people get confused and 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 think that hey i'm just going to go out and do me you know well that's you got to stay confident and 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 that'll be a small part of it okay but you got to go out and do us you know you're you're a you're a piece of a of a puzzle and and if you don't fit okay that puzzle can't get completed and you can't be a part of the greater group Ooh, yeah i like that now how did you figure out um, and Cody came up with this and it's great and you kind of touched on it but you didn't say it quite like this how, how did you um, um, come with the confidence of making your deposits to your coach basically making deposits in the bank you're practicing to doing withdrawals in the game how many shots you need to take what was a good shot and, and, and vice versa you get what yes. I mean uh, I think it starts in practice you know and I think I think you at, at some point you got to put the nervousness and the fear away of failure. Okay. And be prepared to do it and do it over and over and over again. Okay. Okay. And, and then when you're told, uh, Oh damn it, you know, that's a bad shot. Hey, you learn. Yes. Coach won't happen again, even though it will <laughs> often, you know, have a, sh- have right. a short memory, you know, uh, don't be sensitive. Okay. Don't be sensitive to feedback. Okay. It's, uh, it's their job to tell you what you're doing right and what you're doing wrong. And sometimes that doesn't come out uh, too pretty in a, in a setting that's combative. I mean, sports is, is combat, 
and we're doing the best we can to prepare for, for a fight. Um, you know, using that analogy and you, you, you've got to be able to have a short memory, filter what you, and, and this is where it's important on the individual, recognize what content you are receiving and what truly matters and what doesn't. So I would recognize that 70% of it might be emotional and he doesn't really, he's not really angry at me. He just wants me to learn. Okay. And take the 30% away that was valuable and, and reject the 70%. You know, sometimes that might be opposite. Okay. There might be 80% great content and 20% stuff that I don't need to take home with me. And I think a lot of young players that I coach, okay, uh, or I train, you'll recognize, hey, what's the matter, man? What's my, my coach told me? My coach told me, well, did you really, really think about what he told you or did you get sensitive? Did you just get emotional about it? Okay. I mean, this, this is it's time to be a little bit grown up here. Okay. Be, be a young man or, or a young woman about this and, and process it, recognize what you need to do to get better. And, and, and again, adapt, adjust, improve. Right. Do you think uh, players nowadays um, are too sensitive and that you can't really speak to them in a certain way? I mean, I know I feel that way. I mean, I speak to my son just the way I was spoke to as a young child and, and uh, as coaches used to yell at me, um, but I, I mean, I, I, I hear it from my, my wife. I hear it from my mom. I hear it from other people um, in our community. That, hey, man, you're a little tough on E. And I'm like, well, you know what, man, this this world is ruthless. I mean, yep. he can go out there and and it will chew him, chew him up and spit him out. And, and boy, he's not going to know how to have thick skin. At least he knows how to have thick skin. That's the way I feel. What do you how do you 100%. feel? I've got a little daughter. i got a five year old girl and um. And, you know, she's my princess uh, and, and I know it's early. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not strict at all. She can choose whatever she wants to do. She just started with soccer, but, but, you know, there, there needs to be direct, uh, you know, there needs to be purpose into what you say, but there also, you know, it also needs to be direct. It, there can't be too much. Oh, it's okay. You know, you'll do better next time. I, I just, I if you, if you constantly coddle, I mean, you're preparing for mediocrity. And, and, and you don't have to be great. No one has to be great. But if, you're, if your idea, okay, and if you have an idea in your head as a young player and you're saying, hey, I want to I be great at basketball, I want to be great at tennis, I want to be great at math, you better recognize that, you know, there comes, with greatness comes standard, you know. And, and when you're held to a standard, okay, uh, you got to meet it, okay. Right. You've got, you've, you've, you've got to meet it. And when you don't, okay, you're going to be told that you didn't. And 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 that's and that's where that that crossroad comes. How do I accept that? Okay, I think sensitivity. It's a generalization because I've got some kids that are that are tough, tough, tough. But then you do have the sensitive kid. Um, you know, I don't. I have a, I have a philosophy and I have a standard, but I don't coach everyone exactly the same way. You know, um, you got to find you know factors that motivate them. Are they intrinsic? Are they external? Okay, how does this kid? Uh, respond to this kind of stimulus? How does it respond to that? Okay, but the baseline is uh, there needs to be accountability. And and look, the second you think you've got it all figured out is the second that you're prepared to to slide down and fail. Because even, even in the position that we are, being around the game as long as we have, okay, I mean, the room for improvement, even in the training world or the playing, it's, it's, it's infinite. It's infinite, right? You know, so you need to you need to have some humility, okay, and have a little tough skin, 
okay, to get ahead. All the all the good ones, all the good ones have a little toughness, okay. You know, the great ones have a major amount of it, but toughness doesn't you know, manifest itself into into headbands and 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 your beats by Dre and the music that you play. It's it, toughness is being able to receive instruction and change. Uh, it's being able to replicate the same effort consistently. It's being able to try to learn a skill, okay, and replicate that skill over and over and over and over again until you can do it in a dynamic purpose, okay, and then add layers to it. Uh, you know, the sensitive part, you're not going to go far if that's if that's a baseline of, of where your mind goes when you're given feedback. Okay. Yeah. I like that. Now, what do you tell? Cause I know that I've seen you in, in um, the ASICS facility. You, you got a lot of D one guys out there um, guys from overseas, you're training um, and you got some very tough high school kids, um, very talented out there uh, that you're training. You know, it's only 5%. What is it like less than 5% like make, pros it's like less than one percent or one percent make like division one i think it's point eight. Um, I, I think the number we're looking at i think it's about point eight i think you've got about point eight percent of varsity basketball players in the united states will end up going to a division one program okay and everyone's got this this whole the, the weirdest thing to me especially being here in orange county everyone's got eyes for d1 Right. I, I, I don't get it. I, I mean, I, I play D3. <laughs> it doesn't matter where you played. You've got to put yourself in a, in, in, a, in a situation, okay, that is best suited for you, okay? First of all, if you want to go, you're going to get an education, okay? You're going to get an education. And then with for the majority of us, okay, for I say 99%, those that aren't gifted to be uh, NBA superstars, okay, the important part is to get an education. The basketball court you go to, whether it's NAIA, D3, D2, or D1, okay, the parameters aren't changing. The rim's still 10 feet high. The court distance is still the same. You still have the same opportunity to get as good as you want to be, okay, and fulfill your potential, not anyone else's, but your own potential in any environment that you go to, okay? Now, you find some people that chase that D1 dream, and then they get disappointed when they don't make it there because they weren't really focused on being better basketball players. They were more focused on sh trying to showcase things that, that they can do. But you've got to remember with with any time that you are going to an exposure event or there's exposure sold to you, okay, hey, hey you got to play here. You got to play. There's also the, the the idea that you're going to get exposed. So every time you're showing people what you can do, you're also showing them what you cannot do, okay? And, right. and, and, and you want to be able to show and highlight parts of your game that will be beneficial for someone to include you into their program and into their environment. Okay. Yeah. I like that. Um, I, I think it's funny cause I, I, you know, I hear my program all the time. I hear kids all the time saying what, what they're going to do and what's their next move. And I tell my son all the time, look, man, a blessing for me is to keep you off the streets, keep you going right and not going left, doing anything wrong. And with this platform of basketball and this circle of life that we have around us in, in hoops, I'm just happy if you just play high school, man. If, if you play anything after high school, to me, it's a bonus. Yes. Yes. That's it, man. I don't, I don't, I'm not worried about you having to go somewhere like our next step. No, we got to play college. No, man, I'm still going to love you if you quit high school. I mean, I'd rather you not because I'd rather you be involved in something that's positive 
to just keep you off the streets. Mm-hmm. I think the one benefit that I had as well, my my family didn't really know much about basketball. Okay, um, they weren't basketball people. You know, my mother was unbelievably supportive, and my brothers were too, um, but they didn't know much about the game. So I wasn't robbed of any um, any platform. You know, when I was in high school, I competed at I, I would say the, the toughest high school league and conference in the United States, without a doubt. The Washington DC Catholic League. I don't think you get better than that. Okay, we had three teams ranked in the top 25 my senior year, and I remember we sat down and and had a wow. had a beer when we were adults with a teammate of mine and counted how many guys went D1 from our league, and I think it was I think it was 52. You know. Wow. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, you had DeMatha, that whole lineup went, you know, they started they right. started at the time when I graduated, they started Keith Bogans, went to Kentucky, Joe Forte went to North Carolina. They had Billy Edlin who went to Syracuse. They had Jordan Collins who went to NC State. I mean, the list goes on. Okay. Good counsel started Chris Monroe who went to GW and became the all-time leading scorer at George Washington. Roger Mason who went to University of Virginia and, and had, had a nice career in the NBA. Um, AJ Harris at College of Charleston. Earl Hunt went Ivy League and became the all-time leading scorer at Brown University. I mean, it was every team in our league was loaded. Okay. And I really got to enjoy and experience that. I think you get kids now that get pressured so much into trying to think about college that they never really, really get to enjoy their high school path. Hey, we're going to train like we're in college. Well, well, first of all, become a great high schooler. And nothing's, nothing's guaranteed. Okay. Put yourself in an environment where you can become the best at what you can do at that time and then tackle the next. Because the way it works, you come in as a freshman in high school and you got to earn your stripes, you know, and, and part of it is is just earning your stripes and part of it is just becoming a better player and developing and, and until you become a senior, okay? And I'm not saying that you that right. you have to limit. You could be a freshman and be fantastic, okay? But those, those kids are usually got... Uh, an extraordinary amount of talent and they usually mature beyond their years. Okay. Now, when you go to college, you down on a pecking order again, you were the king in high school. You were the senior. They had a senior night for you. Everyone on campus knows you. And now you're the freshman again. Now you've got to build your way up to being an upper class man. You go from sophomore to junior to senior again. Now you're the big dog again. You're the leader. And now you're trying to go pro. And now you've been chopped down again. And now you're a rookie. Okay. Rookie is just a fancy word, another nice word for freshman again. You're a freshman in the pro ranks, and now you have to build yourself up. So you 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 have to you know kind of conquer each level before and 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 still have the final goal in your head, okay, and and chase it. But if that's all that consumes you, then I don't think it's fair to to the teammates and the coaches present with you at the moment that are relying on you to give everything you have into them before you think about going on to the next chapter don't skim through chapters you know don't skim through the chapters read them completely and then go to the next oh man i like that and with that you saying that don't skim through the chapters what are the best three building blocks for a high school player right now three building blocks three building blocks Ooh, i would say the first building block to being a great high school player is be a great listener. <laughs> be, okay. Sounds yeah. so simple, but be a great listener. Okay. That means, that means when, when a coach says that, that we're meeting on the, on the track at 6am. Okay. That you've really, really taken it on board and you're there at 545 already getting a stretch in. Okay. That means that when we're running a 
baseline out of bounds, okay, and, and we have option one, option two, option three, okay, that you understand where to be and what the wrinkles are out of it and what the counters are. And then from that, see if you can learn a different position as well. So if you're playing the three, you're playing the wing and you understand how to play the two and the three, okay, be a good enough listener, okay, and an eager learner to be able to say, hey, you know what? I'm going to learn the one. I might not play there, but I don't know what will happen. If we get one guy goes down with an angle, ankle, another guy suspended because of academics and they need me to play the one, I could fill in because I know what to do. Um, so, so being a great listener and a learner, I think, is, is probably number one. Okay, come in and, and, and take it seriously. Okay, because the one thing that you have around here, especially in Southern California, okay, I think there is unbelievable coaching down here. Okay, um, it's, it's so refreshing to go to a high school game and see some of the stuff that people run. Okay, it's really good coaching here. Um, but this is where social media interrupts that a little bit because, because the skill and the play, look, you, you're trying to become skilled so that you can be a great player and, and, and win games. I think we often escape what we're trying to do, and that's that's win, okay? Whether it's winning a drill, winning a shooting drill, winning a sprint, or going into the main thing and winning a game, okay? You're trying to learn how to win. So at an early age, learn, okay? Number two, and I think some of this, I think the majority of this is innate. I think it's in you, okay? And I think some of it can be manufactured, okay? Compete. Just compete. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's, it's amazing what effort can do. Okay. Um, effort, effort can make up for a lot of shortcomings in knowledge. Okay. Um, now, if you don't know always where to be and be at the right place, that's okay. As long as you have that passion to go back to point one and to learn. Okay. But what can cover that is effort. Okay. So big deal. I missed the layup. Okay. Well, get you, get your ass back. Okay. Communicate, get home, talk it out. Okay. Hey, you got a pick left, pick left. I got you. See if you can make up for it. Okay. Um, so, so compete. If it's a shooting drill, compete. Don't be satisfied with coming second or third. Okay. If it's a sprint, do your best. If you're a big guy and you can't come first, make sure that you don't come in the last two or three. Okay. That builds a standard for you. And that goes back to be, have, having a standard, okay? Having that constant uh, uh, fire to, to compete, okay, is, is vital. It's the reason I played the game, okay? I didn't play it for any other reason other than, than to compete. And then it became fun, okay? So trying to channel that, and, and it's, you'll find the good ones in anything. If I play my wife in Scrabble, it'll often end in an argument because because we're both trying to compete and she starts making up words, you know, <laughs> everything, is, it, you know, compete, compete, compete. So we got learn. Okay. And listen. Number two is compete. Number three is, is have, have a care factor for the people around you. That's infectious. Okay. Cause remember you're part of a team you know, and this goes back again to, to skill development. Okay. You got to remember that basketball is a team game. You know, we often just get exposed to watching the NBA. Well, the NBA is, it's fantastic, but, but that league is being developed for viewership. You know, they make rules, defensive three seconds and, 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 and the three-point line is so far away that that court is pretty spaced and it really, really promotes individual play. Most of us are never going to get the chance to play at that level, okay? We're going to play in a level that's, that's almost a little more pure in its basketball sense. You know, it's a grind, okay? It's a grind, okay? And so you want to be able to go with, with your group, 
with your guys, with your girls, okay, and figure out a formula, okay, to go out and beat beat the other team, okay, and then in scrimmages to play and beat each other, okay. So a big part of that is the is being open enough, okay, to enjoy the ride, enjoy the journey, be a good teammate, okay, be a good friend, okay, uh, uh, understand, be a it's to some point be a pleaser. If your coach is asking you, got, you know, I want you to go rim to rim, man. I need you to sprint. Sprint for him. It's for you and for the rest. Now, every time I sprint rim to rim, I'm opening up lanes for my, for my wings to get catches rather than having my big clog and jam both my medium-paced run and the three-point line, okay? It's, there, basketball's a special game because there's only five of us on the court for each team at, at, at every single moment of the time, okay? The ball's going to find you, okay? The game finds you. You cannot rest in basketball. Right. If, you find yourself, if you find yourself in hoops, okay, not doing much, okay, then you, you, you kind of haven't figured it out yet, okay? The measure for me is also when, we, when the guys come to the bench, are they, are they tired, okay? Are they, are they complacent? Are they, are they average with their, with their effort? Um, Look, if I'm on a weak side, I can still stay loaded, okay, and communicate, okay, if I'm three passes away. I've got a foot in the lane. I'm intimidating the, the guy that's trying to attack the pain, but I'm still good enough to close out to the corner shooter. Um, if my opposite big has got the ball, okay, on a rebound, I'm sprinting as hard as I can to the rim. Why? Hey, first thing I'm thinking is if there's a throw ahead, I'm going to dunk the ball, okay? If not, okay... I'm going to establish low position and open up space, like I said before, for my wings or even for my point guard, okay, to, to cross the street and make a play. Um, there is always a way to be a factor in hoops. Um, it just takes a little time for players to learn this, and it takes a, it takes a lot of good coaching for them to, to be able to understand it. Yeah, I, I believe that. What was the best piece of advice a coach gave you? Best piece of advice a coach gave me you know what i went and this is it's a generic quote um some have heard it some haven't uh, but but i just went back home for the first time in about six years to australia and i visited my old high school coach there bernie slattery and uh and i picked his brain a little bit he was a great coach um a bit of a grumpy guy but but, <laughs> but really knew he knew his stuff you know and i respected him and uh and he said he said you know what i've realized that he goes, I've changed a little bit since I've had you. I go, what? He goes, I realize that the players, they don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Yeah. And, and from, a, from a coaching standpoint, I'd say that was, that was some great advice that I re just received. And, 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 and it's really true. Um, sometimes we can get, get ahead of ourselves and, and get caught up so much in the knowledge of what we know and trying to share it rather than, hey, first of all, let's share a care factor, okay? And then once I've got your heart, I can get your mind. Uh, as a player, as a player for me, it was probably back to that constant reinforcement of basically pride. I think my motivating factors were a little different. They weren't always delivered from a coach. I had, I had a really, really strong family and in, in, intrinsic motivation motivating factor you know i i lost my old man at a, at a at a young age and and my brother had gone and and, and fought in the Crimea too so a couple of the a couple of the spearhead figures in my family were, were gone and and i had a i had a choice to either 
kind of go down a path and become a brat or, or go down a path and become a young man. And, and I kind of dwelled into the first one early and then I shifted and I, and, and, and I went to the second one for me that, that the motivating factor was always just to, to represent my, my name, my family name, and then my team name. Okay. And, uh, and goes back to competing. Okay. I always wanted to be considered a competitor. Okay. First and foremost, all the rest is cosmetic. Man. I love that. That's awesome. What was a, a piece of advice Gannon ever told you? Cause I know Gannon, he can be very black and white and tell people flat out, you know, hey, you're terrible. You're this, you're that. Um, you, you think you, you want to do this, but you, you, you're, you got it twisted. Like, and that's what I love about him. <clears throat> Has he ever told you anything like that? You know, what? I'll tell you before, before we get one of the first things I remember when I got recruited to coastal Carolina, and this is just a little, little fun. And I'll never forget this. And we're talking 22 years ago now. We went down and visited and they, and they brought us down during spring break. And for those of you that don't know where Coastal Carolina University is, at the time it was in the Big South. It's a, it's a Division One university. I think it's now in the Sunbelt League. And it's in Myrtle Beach in South Carolina. And it's a fun, fun town. So they brought us down in spring break and, and he recruited me and he said, hey, Ant, you got to come down here. You got everything you need. You got your four Bs. And, and he goes, you got your books, your babes, your basketball and your beach. You don't need anything else. That's it. You know, that was his... That was his little recruiting pitch, you know. Um, yeah. But with Gannon, more than it was, uh, more than advice, um, it was it was just Gannon's energy, and yeah. it like at the time you got to understand Gannon was young when, when he was coaching me, and and he still is, but he was a machine. I mean, if we had weights at six a.m., Gannon was already in there at five. Okay, he'd have his shirt off doing doing knee raises, ripped, you know, if we went on the floor, okay, and we're doing workouts, okay, Gannon would be there and he'd go, okay, okay, we're going two ball dribbles, okay, and that thing sounded like a machine gun getting fired at the floor, and you had to keep up, you had to keep up with G-Bake, okay, Gannon was extremely competitive, after training, okay, Gannon would want to play guys one-on-one, guys are exhausted after a two a day, and Gannon's out there trying to trying to still play. So, so his energy was really, really infectious. Okay. If it was a nice day, he'd take the workout to the blacktop instead of, instead of indoors. And we'd be, um, and this is division one basketball players outside working, working out next to the parking lot. Um, Gannon's energy was really, re- you had to keep up with it. And if you didn't, you faded. Um, so I would say if there's one thing I got out of Gannon was it was learning how to work out. You know, I think people, a lot of people, work out but i don't think many people know how to work out right you know what i mean there's a difference like i mean you can have an hour of productivity or you you know or you can have you can be on people say hey man instagram post you know being grinding on the floor for two hours well if you're grinding why is there photos of your workout like it seems like you've been spending a lot of time on the phone like he taught he taught you how to maximize time so if it was 40 45 minutes okay you would be dead after a g-bake workout you know and uh, and he was kind of a pioneer in this industry, I'd say. Um, yes, he was. He, he really was. You know, I don't think he gets enough credit for it. You know, and we got fantastic trainers all over the globe. Okay, but uh, but when I went back to Sydney, okay, they had all the Gannon Baker uh, content and tapes, and he was working with with teams and and individuals over in Australia. When I went over and played in Iceland, okay, they had all the G back series over there. So when we when we go full circle and we talk about trainers and and, you know, we've got a fa- fantastic one that, that, that I work with, Jordan Lawley. You know, everyone knows Jordan. And J-Law's, 
J-Law is unbelievable. Um, you know, we, we, we got to go back for, for guys like you and I that, that know that this industry was kind of really, really put on the map with guys like Gannon, you know, guys like, guys like Gannon that, that said, hey, you know, this is a little bit different to coaching. I think you do have to under, have, a, have a deep understanding of the game to be a great trainer. I still think you do. But skill is a little bit different, okay? So, so Gannon would go out there and we would do drills that at the time seemed nonsensical, okay? You know, tennis ball tosses and crossovers and, and single-hand catches. Like, but, but as you go on, gosh, they developed, uh, they developed a hand-eye. They developed uh, uh, cognitively. Uh, and and I'd say Gannon back to what Gannon's uh, Gannon's ingenuity and Gannon's energy and effort were were something that that I took from him more than anything else. Wow, that's really cool. Now now working with Lolly Jordan, same thing. That guy's energy's out the roof. Lolly's um, Lolly's unbelievable. He is, you know, he he he, you know, when Lolly's in the gym, it's his energy is high. You know, he's he's never he's never moody. He's always out there competing. He's always out there, you know, showing example and instruction at, at, at full speed. Uh, you know, Jordan's, Jordan's fantastic. You know, I've been, I've been blessed to be able to, you know, work side by side with Jordan. You know, we met, we met through, a, through a mutual friend uh, who I think had represented Jordan, Daniel, Daniel Moldovan with Lighthouse Sports. Um, great guy who, who brings us a lot of his players to, to work in the spring and the summer. And, uh, and that's how I first met Jordan. And the one thing that stood out with Jordan was his energy. Another thing that really, really stands out with Jordan is if you, if you want to be great at, at, at what you do, especially in the training world, um, you've got to be able to communicate also. It's not just what you do on the floor. It's, it's the way you, you communicate. It's the way you deliver. And, and Jordan speaks well. You know, Jordan, really, yes. Jordan really gets the content through to you in a manner that you can digest and quickly turn into practical uh, movement. Yes, he does. And I, I, yeah, I love his training. Um, I, and I love the fact that um, when we're in your guys' building, um, there's a lot more um, banging around with bodies. Yeah. You guys are always involved in all the drills. Uh, Cody Topper came up with this uh, this saying, bones over cones. And mm -hmm. I feel that every time I go up there, it's not just a cone drill. You might do a quick cone drill to figure out what type of move you're doing really quick, the action. But after that, I mean, I, I look over, you guys are, you're in there sweating, banging, trying to block people. Same thing with Jordan. How important is that? I think it's everything. I, th I really think it's everything. You know, it is... It is you can only do so many sparring sessions, okay, before you, you get into an actual actual fight. You know, you, you can't just shadow box all the time, okay? You know, sometimes you've got to get hit to, to know what you do and, and, and whether it works, okay? So if we're teaching, say, for an example with me, if we're teaching, say, post moves, you know, hey, let's go rollouts to the mid block, reverse pivot, okay, jump stop, middle and finish. And guys are, are completing the sequence really, really well. You know, the, the choreography is good. The, the movement, you know, because you because you do have to study movement first before you apply it into a into a into a bones before cones kind of setting. But all of a sudden you find a lot of times all of a sudden when that pad comes out and you get a guy, let's say myself, six, eight, 265 pounds and he's hitting you. Hey, 
the move doesn't work as well right now. Okay. So you got to find, Hey, look, where's your leverage point? Let's drop all these specific things that I'm not going to get into, but, but you recognize the players recognize that, Hey, this isn't as cut and dry as just jabbing, going middle, coming to a two foot stop and, and dropping a finish. Um, Now I've got to learn how to um, attack, attack the body. I got to learn how to, um, you know, counter with, with, uh, their movement, okay? He takes away, you know, inside shoulder, I can counter and, and go opposite shoulder. Um, you only know how good you are until you go live and, and it's different looks, different bodies, you know? With the perimeter, it's the same as a post, okay? What do I do against a seven-footer who, who who is springy? What do I do against a six-six guy that likes to wedge me and has quick feet? What do I do against uh, against a rangy defender that likes to poke away at the ball? I mean, you're going to... There's... there's there's rules for all different types of people. And, and unless you go live and, and really feel that the, the energy of another body hitting you because basketball is contact. Let's, let's, let's get real with it. I know, I know we label it a, a non-contact sport, but we're some big humans out there. Even the guards, there's some big, tough dudes out there and big, oh, yeah. tough, big, tough girls out there. Okay. Um, you gotta go live. Oh man. I love that. I love it. I, I'm the same way. I mean, me, you know, being in this uh, this uh, pandemic we're in, I haven't played as much one-on-one in so long. I mean, I, I'm playing my son every – we play every day. Yeah, good. And, and, and you know I'm, what? Hey, Dre, what, you know what the most – it's fun. Oh, it's, it's, I love it. It's a, I, it's, I mean, I tore, I tore my Achilles, um, you know, about almost two years ago. It took me forever to get surgery because I didn't want to do it. I finally got it done. But now I'm at the point where I play and I got to play my my son. And like you said, it is so much fun. Yeah, if you don't enjoy playing, like if you don't enjoy competing one-on-one, I mean, you might. Tennis might be better for you. Huh? <laughs> Something might be better for you. I mean, <laughs> I mean I'm 40 years old, about to be 40 years old, and, and I still get a, a, a little adrenaline rush and, and get an ego if I, if I get a win over my guys or if I – I mean – it, it, it's that, again, it's that competitive fire. You can't replicate that. It's hard to replicate, you know, doing anything else. You know, it's, it's combat, it's sweat, it's work, it's a chess game. It's trying to figure out, you know, what your weakness is and how to exploit it and you doing that back to me, okay? That, the foundation of my game, okay, growing up with friends was, hey, it was ones and two-on-twos and three-on-threes and then we would travel on the train and go try to find people at, at courts to go play five-on-five. Five. You know, that was... That was us. Yes. See, that's a different generation, though, you know, because our kids now and, and I wish we, used to, we, we couldn't find an indoor facility in Sydney to go work out at. There wasn't any. It was hard to find outdoor courts. OK, um, if we could find it. And most of them didn't have nets and they were and, and graffiti and glass on the court. OK, but we could not wait to go play people. OK, now, if I grew up here, man, I man, I'll be catching a train or finding a way to get up to LA and, 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 and play those guys, man. I would, I would go, you know, I, I would, I would go a weekend out, out in the IE and go play in Riverside. I'd go down to San Diego and compete against the San Diego. I would go everywhere to try to try to hoop a little bit, man. Oh, we did that. I mean, I remember being 17, uh, 16 years old and we we're driving up to Venice from here, from San Diego up to Venice just to go play and being like trying to be on the main court getting on the main court, losing and waiting two hours to get back on. See, so you know what you are. And when it comes down to it, that's, that's, you're a baller. 
It's yeah, a, I was like, I'm not, I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving. We're playing again. It's a word that gets thrown around often, okay? But and, and someone asked me the other day, what's your definition of a baller? Okay. And, and and a baller to me is someone that just loves the game so much that they'll go anywhere to try to compete and find a run. You know, that's a baller. You know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I remember the first time I stepped in Jordan's facility, um, and uh being in there with you guys and and seeing them play two on two, three on three, the one on one actions with the weak side help. I'm like, oh my gosh, I want to do this. I want to do this. But I had a torn Achilles. It was just a slight tear, but I couldn't move the way I wanted to play. Yeah. So I wasn't able to do it. And I'm like always watching and like itching to get out there and be so upset yeah. at myself. The like, juices are flowing. Oh, the juices are flowing. Hey, and, yeah, and, and, for any, exactly. and for any of the hoopers that listen to this, okay, you got to recognize that Jordan Lawley, okay, was a division, great division two basketballer. Okay. So if you have, if you have opinions on, on, on this goes back to the D1 talk, okay about D2 ballers, okay, or, or go go see if you can play Jordan Lawley one-on-one and see see what happens. <laughs> I know, right? I know. And I don't care if I get shook. I don't care if I get dunked uh-huh. on. I just want to get out there and compete. I like trash talking. I tell my son all the time, we go in the backyard, and my wife will poke her head out, and she's like, Andre, Dre, no. And I'm like, I'm trash talking. What's yeah. the problem? What's the problem? And she's like, I'm like, this is the way I play. He's going to hear in high school. This is what he's going to hear. Someone, someone's going to run by him and quietly, quietly say something that I just told him right now to his face or in his ear. And guess what? They're either going to get him mentally out of the game or he's going to check himself and go, all right, man, don't even worry. That, that didn't even phase me, man. That was in one ear, not the other. We, we I, still love it. I love it. Yeah, I never phased I enjoy My jaw at him all day. I enjoy Excuse that me? too. You know what I say, what yeah, I say I is it. limited, but I, I do enjoy people that 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 bark. I mean, it's it's fun. It's it's again, it goes back to hey, you're trying to find a way to to get me off my game, okay? And I'm going to try to find the best way to kind of put you down. Yeah, I, I love that. I love competing. Now that I'm foot's getting better, and and uh, hopefully when this pandemic's over, um, and I'm getting in, um, starting to get into shape better. Oh man, I can't wait to go to to see you guys and, and play. I, I can't wait. I like I said, I don't care if I get dunked on, I don't care if I get shook. I just want to get out there and get uh some sweat going with you guys and, and out there. We gotta get you up there more, man. I love when you come in the gym. You know, you got you, you carry such a great energy. Okay. Every time you come in, you are involved, you are a presence, okay? You come down, we get we give a high five. What's up, Joe? What's up, coach? Okay. Um you you are fantastic having in there. Okay. So looking forward to seeing you soon. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, it's been it's been a year, man. Yep. I mean, unfortunately, I like I said, it's taken me a year from this uh, Achilles tear. I mean, it, the last time I went into the the doctors, they gave me another MRI, and he goes, "Man, this thing is just barely holding on now." So, whether you want it to snap and fully go into your calf, mm-hmm. or let's just get it done. And I was like, "Oh man, not another surgery." I just I didn't want to do it. Uh, you know what? But, it's part of I it, did it and you know, I'm you ready. Can't, again, you got to put your faith in faith first, man. It's it, it's part of it. We've all suffered various, you know, ailments or injuries. You know, I, I suffered a lot of mine when I was younger, so I was blessed not to get too many at this age. Now, you know, fingers crossed, but uh, but you you can adapt. Yeah. Hey, so if if any of my listeners wanted to get a hold of you, whether it's for training, whether it's for advice, 
how, how can they get a hold of you? You can go on my Instagram. I'm, I'm not a big social media person. I don't market it. I don't have websites. So I'm, I'm pretty private. But if you find my name, and you can always DM me, my my name is Shushnyara33. That's spelled S-U-S-N-J-A-R-A-3-3. Okay. Always find me on there uh, and and shoot me through a uh, shoot me through a DM, and we can always organize. Even if it's just to ask a couple of questions, or if you do have a passion to uh, to get better and work out, um, hit me up. Great. Coach, thank you so much, man. You dropped crazy heat knowledge. Um, I, I love the stories that you had. It was it was amazing. Thank, thank you, you, my so brother. Much. I look forward to seeing you soon, man.